Hello and welcome to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wim Lou, and joining me on the line, friend of the program, Vivek Jacob, Raptors.com, Big V. What's going on, man? I haven't seen you since we had uh, we had Shawarma on, on, on Tuesday. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I, I shouted out the place at the end of uh, Tuesday's show with Blake. Um, but Love yeah, it. credit to you, man. Credit to you. It's a great hey, spot. Yeah. More practices, more shawarma. <laughs> I don't know if this is like a, a routine thing because, you know, <laughs> people who understand Toronto geography, uh, the, 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 the OVO Center is like fairly close to the highway. Like literally, it's like right beside the highway. Um, and it's very yeah. easy to get on the gardener. Um, but I don't know if we always want to drive out to Kipling for a long for lunch, you know? No, I do it once in a while. It's okay. Just, yeah. yeah. All right. It's We're like not one, once, you know, once a month, once every few weeks, depending on how the practices are going, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we don't have this problem for at least another two weeks because obviously the Raptors aren't here. Um, and, mm-hmm. and they are on the road tonight to face the Golden State Warriors. We'll cover that in the second half of the program when we have another friend of the program, Andy Lou on the program. Um, I know, uh, I'm sure Alex is very sad that he's not going to be here to, to talk to Andy because I know uh, how fond of him he is. But of course, he's uh, Alex is also quite fond of you, Vivek. And uh, uh, as am I, because, you know, I can always just hit you with topics at like 11 a.m. You know, the show goes live at 2 and I just shoot you a DM and I'm like, here's some like assorted topics. Let's just get to them and you're always good for it. So, you know. Yeah, man. Let's get to it. Okay, first one. It's the old um, school vibes. Rumor roundup, because we got to do this at the start of every show nowadays, because there's always fresh rumors that comes out. This one is um, following up on a report that came out earlier in the week that Fab Emily is changing agents. Um, it's now been reported by Mark Stein that Fred will be signing with Clutch Sports. Um, you know, to me, that wasn't necessarily too surprising because once Chris Haynes was the one who broke the news that Fred was changing agents kind of had an inkling of where it might go um, just yep. just based on the fact that Chris Haynes has a very, very strong history of reporting um, news around Clutch and, and Clutch clients. Um, but yeah, Vivek, your reaction to this? Yeah, I think it, it just says that, you know, Fred is getting everything in order for the summer. Okay. Um, if anything, I think he is probably pretty confident about what's going to happen at the deadline. And says, okay, this is the best move for me in the summer and figuring out uh, exactly what the best possible avenue is, whether it's staying with Toronto or pursuing a new team in free agency. Okay. Um, when, when you're seeing the amount of teams that have been linked to Fred, and, and who knows, right? At this time of year, it's really just peak, like, throw whatever is out there. It could be smoke screens from teams. It could just be speculation. It could just be loose reporting of like hearsay that becomes reported and then becomes sort of like a big thing. You, you don't know at this time of year, right? Clearly there's a, there's a mm-hmm. lot of info that gets out there, but you have heard a lot of teams interested in either trading for Fred Van Vliet um, at this deadline, or presumably if they're interested in trading for him now, they're probably also interested if they had the cap space to then go uh, make a move in the off season. Um, does, does the relative, I don't know. It, it feels like there's a lot of teams interested in Fred um, and, and, you know, he. I think the perception here and the experience here has been, you know, he hasn't had the greatest season, although his numbers are really slowly coming back. It's very close to where they were last year. Um, does that surprise you that there is still this strong uh, and, and this robust of a market for Fred? 
not necessarily. I think the teams that are interested probably view Fred uh, as a piece that they need, not like, you know, a top two piece. I think that's where the difference is, right? Like, if you're looking at Fred saying, hey, you need him to be the number one guy or the number two guy, then, you know, you're probably not talking about winning a championship. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you look at the teams uh, that might be out there, whether it's Orlando building forward, whether it's the Clippers trying to, you know, stabilize themselves at the point guard position, like they have other pieces in place, right? right? right. Um, even if you look at, uh, a team that's rumored like Phoenix, right? Mm. I think that puts Fred in the best position to succeed, I think, on a championship team. And so I think that's how they're probably viewing it, where the load that he's having to carry with the Raptors is going to be alleviated, and that will bring out the best in him. And with the shooting struggles, I mean, we've already seen him trend the right way. They probably view that more of as uh, an anomaly and that his body of work in the NBA speaks to him just being a very good three-point shooter flat out and someone who, again, you take away the load that he has right now in Toronto, maybe he does return to what he's capable of defensively. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, you know, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know if Phoenix is still like a title contending team. I know they went to the finals as recently as two years ago, but yeah, it just to me, it's like so much of that was Chris Paul. And if you're, if you're signing or if you're trading for Fred, um, that probably means you're moving on from CP, right? So, and mm-hmm. and, and Fred's very good, um, but I mean, Chris Paul is literally the point guard, right? And and what he did over the course of you know the the last you know two three years here with Phoenix, um, especially in the regular season, but even at times throughout the finals and stuff like that, like you know he's he's the main driving force there. Um, yeah, I guess it doesn't surprise me either. Um, you know, it, it's not like there's a lot of available point guards out there, you know. Um, and yeah. even though I think. Uh, Fred hasn't had like the best season that that he probably anticipated. You could clearly tell there's some, you know, frustration and ups and downs over that. At the end of the day, it's still a pretty decent season when you're looking at it. Uh, when he goes <laughs> into free agency, I, I'm not surprised that uh, there'll be teams interested. Um, speaking of teams interested, OJ Anobi. Um, so the report came out from Ian Begley that the Knicks registered interest in OJ Anobi. Um, you know, sometime he didn't really specify when, but it, it seems to be within this season. Um, I believe the offer that he described in passing was sort of multiple picks for for um, OG. Maybe who knows? The Knicks are a team with tons of uh, extra picks. They could be one of those teams um, that had offered three picks for OG. We saw that report as well from Bruce Arthur of uh, the Toronto uh, Stars. So, yeah, I mean, the Knicks as a, as a fit for OG and OB, Would you would you feel comfortable trading OG to you know a team that you're literally going to face four times a year? Is that a factor at all for you or no? <laughs> I think if you get back a significant return, um, then you just consider it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think, <laughs> you know, Masai Ujiri thought about having to face the Knicks four times a year when he traded away Andrea Bargnani. So uh, I think if you get the right value in return, then you just do the deal. And so with OG Ananobi, obviously the Knicks, you can see the uh, the fit. Like he would slot into that starting lineup next to RJ Barrett and Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson really nicely. Mm. Um, And so, you know, it's something that you consider, but obviously that's not what the Raptors are looking to do right now. They're looking to still evaluate. And 
you know, potentially have a piece that is ready to go right now because I don't think the Raptors are going to be inclined to just take picks and think about the future. Mm. Um, and if there's, I think, a ready-made piece that's a different type of piece that can come back, plus, you, you know, you get some uh, picks to stock the cabinet, then I think you probably consider it more seriously. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think... Um... Yeah, especially if you're gonna again, there, there's there's no I, there's no real um, interest in ever trading Pascal Siakam at, at when he's playing like this. Um, I know that you know people might speculate in terms of okay, if the Raptors fully go in the tank, they might go in that direction. They're not going to do that. Um, so as long as you have him around, as long as you have a competitive base around, honestly, as long as you have Masai around too, like I just really don't see them pivoting into sort of that full on like just take all your players right now and trade them for future pick style, but. You know, at the same time, like, yeah, I think with OG, you know, if you were to make more trades, I feel like uh, if you were to move him, for example, I think Memphis, um, you know, again, there's no specific link between those two teams. Um, but I'm just looking at it on paper. They have the type of players where you get immediate yep. prospects and who potentially could step into a bigger role while also getting some future assets um, in addition to that. But listen, we, we've been doing so much trade talk in the, this past week. I think we've probably done it on every single episode. Uh, maybe <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll check back check back in on Monday because this is I've reached my capacity for the week um, on, on trade talk. Um, in, in terms of actual news results, so the All Star starters were announced yesterday um, uh, on TNT. No real surprises. Obviously, someone in the East was going to get squeezed out in the front court because they only had three front court positions, and of course, you have four of the best players in the league, not just in the East, are front court players, um, you know, in, in KD, in Jason Tatum, in Giannis, and Joel Embiid. Embiid ends up being the odd man out. Obviously, he's still going to make the all-star team, you know, I, I, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I think for me, well, first off, actually, but back to you, like, did the, did the voters get it right? And by the way, the voters in this case is 50% fan vote, 25% player vote, 25% media vote. Did the voting caucus, I suppose, uh, get it right in this one? <laughs> I think for the most part they did, um, given the constraints, right? Like if you make it entirely positionless, then obviously Embiid will be in the uh, starting lineup. But uh, I think given the constraints, they mostly got it right. The only one I'd maybe quibble with uh, is Zion Williamson and not from uh, a talent or a performance standpoint, obviously. I think just in terms of the games played, mm, yeah. uh, he's at 29 for the season. And so, <laughs> okay, come on, yeah. Who would you put so in instead of him, though? That's the, I think that's the thing. There might not be as much depth in the West. I mean, it didn't. It, obviously, he didn't look the greatest uh, against the Raptors, but mm. I think Demontis Sabonis is having an outstanding year. Okay. Uh, and you look at the way the Kings have performed. I think he definitely would have been eligible for a front court spot. Yeah. So, you know, from a games played standpoint, uh, I probably would have gone with him. But hey, if Zion is healthy. And ready to go for that All Star game? It's going to be a lot of fun to watch him on the court. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm obviously like in an All Star setting. I mean, this is not the only consideration, but in an All Star setting, I'd definitely rather see Zion than than DHOs with Demontis Sabonis. Yeah. Know? Um. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I feel like this is kind of the Vince vote, right? Like those couple years sure. where he was injured, but he'd get in the All Star game. Mm -hmm. It was like, hey, this is what the fans want to see. This is what the fans want to see. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my only thing is if if this were more positionless in terms of the voting, I feel like it would have it would have helped for me at least because um, these guys are all going to be all stars and then they anyway. But 
if if there were positionless in the Eastern Conference, I'd probably take out Kyrie and I put in Joel Embiid. And I think everyone could be pretty happy. Those were the top five players yep. in, in the conference uh, so far. And then in the West, I'd probably take out Zion and I put in Shea. But you can't have three guards. Yeah, yeah. The no, I, I like the Shea call. I, obviously, yeah. no, Shea, Shea, Shea has been incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting, too, because obviously OKC is not a very heavily covered team. You're not going to see them on national TV all the time. Um, but Shea still got a ton of support from fans. And it wasn't just like Canadians coming out to vote because obviously we didn't see that much from the Raptors side of things. Um, but, yeah, man, it's because he, he he keeps coming up clutch in all these big moments. And, and I think that's what sticks in your minds when you're voting for these players more than anything else. Um but yeah, that's that's probably all that I would have wanted to see one swap in in each conference. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, it's interesting because you can look at some of the, um, the the other results, right? Because it's always fun, for example, to look at um, how you know the media voted or how uh, players voted um, in terms of media voting. So Pascal was 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 fifth in media voting among front of Eastern Conference uh, front court players. Pascal was sixth in the player vote and sixth in the fan vote. So pretty consistently accurately rated. Like I think first off, yeah. if you're if you're top six across the board, you should make the all-star team because they're essentially going to take six forward, six guards. Right. So when right. you're one of those six, you should make it. And I do believe Pascal should make it. Um did anything else from the voting uh, you know surprise you? You know, Van Vliet was 15th in player vote, 18th in fan vote, Ananobi was 17th in player vote, 15th in, you know, uh fan vote. You know, both 16th at their positions. Is that standing out to you at all? Uh, no, not really. I think the rest of it kind of played out the way you'd expect. I, I was curious to see, you know, who was more popular between uh, Ja and Shea. Okay. So uh, I thought that was interesting to see. Um, I guess the other one I was looking at was where Jalen Brown would figure in. And so obviously he was up there. I, I believe he was... Um, third mm. uh, amongst the guards. And so uh, I think those were the other guys that I was looking at. And from a Raptor standpoint, like realistically, with the record being what it is, you are only going to have one player potentially eligible. And mm. that is by far Pascal. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's not close. Yeah, no one else. So he's getting the respect that he deserves. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, that that's the part that's good to see. Right. Like sure. everyone recognizes that Pascal is absolutely, uh, you know, among that top tier now. Yeah. Um, my only thing is I, I do think that in like future campaigns, because I don't think that anybody really stood out. Right. We, we've had good like standout years in previous seasons. Obviously, when the Raptors are winning, it, it helps everything. And maybe even mm-hmm. when the Eastern Conference was more diluted, it helps everything. But we've seen like a DeMar DeRozan make the, t- make the starters as a, you know, um, you know, in the all-star game. Right. And that was just largely off of voting. We've seen Kyle Lowry do right. really well in voting as well. Maybe less so than DeMar, but still, like, you know, really high up there. And I, I do wonder, you know, in the next time the Raptors sort of, like, try to make these pushes, because it's some of it is, like, team-directed, right? Obviously, they send out their promotions on whichever social media accounts and, you know, who you choose mm-hmm. to promote. It does feel like the Raptors choose to promote, like, three, four guys sometimes. You know, in this case, yeah. like, you see, like, some OG, like, for All-Star, you know, retweet, you know, or, or hit the link or whatever. And, you know, Fred Van yeah. for All-Star, let's hit the link, like, Honestly, let's just take all that and just give it to Pascal next time. Just like really focus on one <laughs> candidate. Um, I feel like that might help. But overall, look, I, I think this is, you know, we'll see what, what the coaches choose. But if if I were the coaches and I'm looking at the way that coaches have played the Raptors this season, I'm just looking at it in terms of 
who gets double teamed on the Raptors and, and how coaches approach double teaming other players on other teams. Pascal is one of the most double teamed players in the league. And if you're going to be as a coach choosing for your team to be double teaming him this much, then you're basically and you and you're basically acknowledging that he is an all star. So I'm I'm counting on the coaches to do the right thing here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would be stunned if the coaches didn't vote Pascal Siakam in. I think anyone that has to game plan for Toronto recognizes that he is absolutely at the top of the plan. Mm. He's having an outstanding season, regardless of how much they're planning for him. Um, you can see the improvements in his game from last season to this season. So again, I think the league-wide respect is absolutely there now, mm-hmm. um, and he's you know he's had several games this season going up against like top opposition and looked like the best player on the court. And I think that stands out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, a couple more wins. I feel like especially timely wins at this time when when coaches are deciding the balance. You know that that would help. But um, for sure. But you know. Someone who is having a, a bit of a timely breakout is Precious Achua, um, who uh, I, I understand that you have a piece coming out um, on him. So I'm looking forward to reading that along with everything else that you write. Um, but yeah, Precious, man, he's been he's been really impressive. He obviously just had a great game coming off the bench against Sacramento, what, 9 of 12 off the bench, which is yeah. very efficient. We haven't seen like high efficiency from from Precious. We've seen really good defense. We've seen highlight plays. We've seen great energy. But I think efficiency has always been one thing where it's like you do see him leaving some points on the table. Um, but yeah, recently in the last 10 games, he's averaging 12.6 rebounds off the bench. I think more importantly for me, in the last seven straight games, he's played 20 plus minutes. It's a good sign of his conditioning coming back. He's been starting and effective. He's been coming off the bench and effective. What are you seeing for Precious Achua right now? Because to me, this is the kind of breakout season I was expecting them to have at the start of the year. And, and it's just essentially happening midway through the season because he had the injury. Yeah, so you mentioned the finishing at the rim, so let's start there. Um, One thing that I've been impressed with is his decision-making in terms of understanding when to attack when he's got the ball in his hands. Okay. Um, He's explained as well how, like, he's just playing off feel where there's nights where he feels good about his three-point shot, and so then he's like, okay, I, I can space, and then if a shot goes up, then I'll go crash the glass. But he's like, on the on the nights that... I, I don't really think the three is there, then I'm just trying to cut, uh, you know, just be around the basket as much as I can. Mm. When he's got the ball in his hands, I, I think he's doing a real good job of recognizing where the opportunities are. And early in his return, you could see it was a lot of just timing uh, that was affecting his misses. Right. And I think it was just rhythm that he needed to get back. Now, on the season, within three feet of the basket, he is shooting 72.6%. Okay. Which... It, Compared to last season, it was at 61.4%. Okay, nice, nice. So that's a significant improvement. And, you know, with this franchise, um, with the way the season has gone so far, we talk about the internal development not being quite at the level that we might have expected coming in. But Achua, when you look at some of the things that he's done, uh, I think that is an important aspect to appreciate. And I think part of what's helped him as well is just having confidence going to the basket where his first two seasons of his career, he averaged 55.6% at the free throw line. And now so far this season, he's at 75%. Okay. And so, yeah. And so I think when you have that added confidence of going to the basket, knowing, Hey, even if they foul me, I'm confident that I'll knock it down. Like go ahead and foul me all you want. I think, 
that impacts how you you know the clarity you have going to the basket as well. Right. And so I think all of that in combination is helping him. On Jan twenty second, he went a career best eight for ten at the line. Like ten free throw attempts for Precious Achua is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. No, no, no. Go. You finish. So you know, I think that's an important development. I think. The other part that needs to come together is the three-point shooting. So obviously last season he teased the three-point shot in the second half of the season. Um, Pretty much since Jan 21st of last season, he shot 40.9% from three. And I think the amazing part of that was a good chunk of them were above the break threes. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like, you know, he was just heavy on corner threes. Like a good chunk were above the break threes. And Unfortunately, this season, he started just 5 of 34, which is 14.7%. Right. But since Jan 10th, which is about the time, if you look at the box scores, you'll see that's when he started getting like 15 plus minutes a game. And now, obviously, he's up over the 20, 25 mark. Um, He's made 9 of his 21 attempts, which is 42%. So we might be starting to see that come around as well. And when you put those two facets of his game together within three feet of the basket and then beyond the three-point line, that accounts for two-thirds of his shot attempts. So it tells you how important that is to his game. And if those two are clicking, basically my my piece is about how those two aspects are so complementary to the Raptors' offense. And then defensively, he's supplementary, right? Like he adds so much to what the Raptors can do. And it's literally like decisive uh, in terms of impact. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think it's ever since he's come back and, you know, you've highlighted there in in your numbers, but even just watching the Raptors as a whole, like we're we're complaining about the bench a lot less. You know, like there were were real Mm -hmm. stretches where the Raptors would have like five, six, seven points off the bench to like 50 for their opponents and whatever. Like they're not playing the same amount of minutes, but if you play them the same amount of minutes, I think the Raptors might still struggle to crack 10 in some of those nights. When you put Precious Achua back into the rotation, all of a sudden you have another guy who, to me, not only is he like good enough to be like, you know, your best bench player, but I do wonder like, as you would with almost any best bench player on your rotation, does he have the potential one or two years down the line to become a starter? And that's the question I want to pose to you. Is there a chance that if Precious uh, Chua continues to develop, that he cracks the Raptors' starting five. I think he undoubtedly has the potential to do that. Okay. I, I think, yeah, I, I think he has unbelievable talent, and I think if he can just fine-tune it in the right way and he continues to get the reps, he will get there. I think he is an absolute behemoth of a defender. Mm-hmm. I mean... Defending one through five, like you're talking about truly be able to defend one through five, he can do it. And then offensively, again, that three-point shot comes around, uh, it's going to change everything. And then, and then you know, from there, you start to progress. It's like, okay, I'm knocking down these threes. I'm finishing around the basket. Okay, let's, uh, let's figure out a little bit of this in between. Can I add, you know, a bit of a hook shot, you know, that three to 10 foot range, you know, then you start to build out. But for now... It's just focus on basically being a role player on offense, which is finishing around the basket and knocking down open threes and be the all-world defender that you are capable of being. And that alone is enough to get him in the starting lineup. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, 
I'm going to ask the messy question. If you get to the starting <laughs> five, who's coming out? <laughs> um, okay, so if you look at it, the logical choice uh, is Gary. Okay, this is this this is a conversation we had a lot last year, so this is not surprising anybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think the logical choice is Gary, um, and I think uh, at a certain point you have to evaluate, you know, how you want to um, build a roster going forward, right? Uh, I think Gary offers something unique to the team, um, and that type of shot making is very valuable. And so you look at what offers might come in for different players, and the most rumored are obviously Gary, Fred, OG. So when you zoom out, you would say it's one of those three, mm. right? Um, and so, yeah, if we're, if we're talking about the future next season, if one of those three guys are gone, then that's an easy slot for Precious to fill in. Yeah, and, you know, that's where... Yeah, um, I you know I even tossed out that idea last season. Um, you know, it could could he could he essentially come in for OG? Um, I think OG offers obviously such a great fit on any roster, including the Raptors, and he does such a great job in terms of guarding the opposing team's best player that you know mm-hmm. taking him out is not some sort of easy decision, or is it something that is to be just taken for granted? Um, but then again, again, it really depends on sort of not just who you trade out but sort of who can get you back the best return so I've, I've essentially been in that corner for a while but it's it's not to say that uh i actually want to see og um re, you know being replaced by precious i obviously og is a better player than precious right now but listen a precious is really exciting to me man i think he, you right. know his his performances of late have have really helped the raptors depth and yeah even if the raptors do make some moves and they go towards the future which is i think a very understandable decision if they choose to do so um, they're still going to need some depth on the roster. And, uh, you know, right now, you're seeing the benefit of it with the Raptors healthy and, and you're seeing them play better now. I think they've won six of the last 10. Um, and it could be even better if they didn't have some truly, truly painful losses in that stretch. But, yeah, Vivek, we run out of time. Appreciate you. All right. Enjoy. Uh, well, who's United play on the weekend? Oh, man. I don't even know. Uh, I feel like it's still the cup games. So Okay. Yeah. Um, what you guys got? Let me pull up my schedule here. I don't know who we got, man. This is tough. This is tough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm not excited to watch Liverpool get beat by Brighton for the third time this season. So, um, anyway, Vivek, appreciate you. All right. <laughs> enjoy the Crystal weekend. Crystal Palace Revenge. Okay. Here we go. Crystal Palace Revenge. Wow. All right. Well, enjoy <laughs> watching Marcus Rashford and his renaissance. He's the, I mean, it's, he's a fun player to root for, man. Easy player to root for as well. So yeah. it's it's been great seeing him uh, round back into form. But uh, yeah, V, enjoy the weekend. And uh, we'll call you probably, uh, you know, probably not next week, but the week after. Thanks for having me, Will. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm your host, William Liu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. When we come back, we will check in with what's gone right and what's gone wrong with the Golden State Warriors, who are constantly in the news. And, of course, we will preview tonight's matchup between said Warriors and the Raptors. Stay tuned. 
Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award-winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Liu. And to wrap up the week, I have a friend of the program, Andy Liu of Light Years Pod. Go on, hey, Fat Troy, my brother. How you doing, man? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you, you I speak Cantonese, so, so I appreciate you saying it yeah. in my native tongue, even though I know it's not, not yours. I know you speak Mandarin, so I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. What's up, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. How'd you celebrate? How'd you celebrate? I I didn't do much, um, but my mom made a bunch of food. It's funny because, uh, you know, Chinese people, they either don't care or they do the absolute most, I yeah, feel like. Yeah. And uh, it's year by year. Some some years, my grandma and my mom and aunties want to go crazy. But this year, we chilled, man. This year, we relaxed. So, it's just, okay. you know, it's big Niners stuff going on for, for the Bay Area fans. So, I've been I've been locked into that. I, I, I went Niners, took precedent over Chinese New Year. I don't make me a good uh, good Chinese kid, but, you know, whatever. Ah, that was fine, man. Go, go, go Brock Party. You, you know, know this, this is... This is a bit of advice for every uh, every Chinese fan listening. Um, you, you can never be a good Chinese kid in in your parents' view. Like it'll never be enough. So, just like just, just be okay with yourself uh, more than being okay with what your parents want. They they, they wanted me to live at home, you know, until I got married, come and I was like, man. guys, that's just come on, come man. on man. What are yeah. we doing here? No. What are we doing here? No. So, all right, Andy. Um, what was I gonna say? First off, uh, you know, your team, my team, both coming off of thrilling wins. For me, thrilling these days is. Uh, Playing defense against the Sacramento Kings, who are are apparently averaging 120 points per game, the modern NBA is uh you know is is there's a lot of inflation going on, and and for you, thrilling is owning the the Grizzlies like once a month. It feels like you know you just got to put them in their place. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to hear your reaction to the Warriors' latest game, and also just in general, just like you know, you guys seem to always have like one team to beef with at all times. <laughs> So I want to know, like, where the Grizzlies are in terms of how they compare to the the Lob City Clippers or the Houston yeah. Rockets or or LeBron, really. Yeah, yeah, man. Let's let's talk. I uh, I love doing this show with you, man. So, I, look, let's let's talk let's talk Grizz um, because you know I don't think that the Warriors have any beef with the Memphis Grizzlies, which is why I find this so funny. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they care. I don't think they went out to pick a fight because the Warriors are the old guys now. So I think back in the day, they were kind of the ones that went out to pick a fight with, you know, kind of the Miami Heat, the the LeBron Miami Heat. They're like, okay, like let, let's let's go up against these guys and let's see how good we are, right? Mm. Um, let's go and go after the San Antonio Spurs. San Antonio's never never really talked, so oh, you they kind of just... Matt Bonner, like, come on, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they would, you know, Draymond would say like, I couldn't ever talk smack to Tim Duncan because yeah. the dude would cook you and not say a word. So it's like, what are you supposed to do? Uh, 
And, you know, there were the Denver Nuggets back in the day. You're right. I think the Clippers were close. Um, I think that's pretty much the closest comparison to the Grizzlies. The Rockets are right there with James Harden. And I do think those two teams are good comps to the Grizz because of one thing. Those two teams could never beat the Warriors, Mm. especially Chris Paul and uh, James Harden. Chris Paul and James Harden became, I think, pretty unlikable for Warriors fans. But I do think generally for, for basketball fans, not that likable. So I think there's a difference between those two guys and John Morant. Because I do, you know, as Warriors fans might not like John Morant too much, but he's a likable dude. He oh, is yeah. a likable, marketable, marketable player. And he's just, he's a fun player to watch. And I don't think that, you know, James Harden was. And I don't really think that Chris Paul was, especially the last five, six years of his career. Mm. So I think the John stuff is different. But the Memphis Grizzlies are fascinating because I think they have a great record and they're always going to be really good in the regular season. But are they kind of fraudulent when it comes to winning playoff basketball? I don't Maybe. Well, that's the thing, though, because you guys have been around for so long, like a true dynasty, like the Warriors. You have different teams to beef with. And what I'm seeing what the Grizzlies are doing, and I'm like, yo, this reminds me of the Clippers. It reminds me of, of, of the Rockets. Not in the sense that they play like those teams. They, yeah. they all play differently, but the same energy, you know? Like, they're always trying to come at you guys, and then they come up short. Like, you got Steph Curry literally getting ejected because he's mad at Jordan Poole. How many players on the team get mad on Jordan Poole, by the way, on a weekly basis? Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that might, by the way, that question might might really explain this Warrior season in a nutshell. Really? Like, it started, I mean, it started with Draymond knocking him out. Yeah, of course. And I yeah. think that, that really was... You know, that's still a problem for this team. So I'm sure we'll get to it. But that, mm. I think that still makes the vibes of this team very weird. And they're 500. I don't think because entirely of that, but yeah. I would say 60%, 70% of the reason is because of that. All right. Well, I mean, I think maybe the bigger reason is just like, you know, neither of our teams play hard consistently. The Raptors play hard more consistently than the Warriors, but obviously you guys have way more talent and way more continuity. But like, especially when I watch the Warriors, like, I, what was I watching? Like, uh, Warriors, Bulls. Like, maybe last weekend. And I think Vucevic had, like, 40 or something. And I'm like, yo, come on. Like, what's like? you guys are clearly way better than that. I think you guys made, like, 21 threes and weren't even in close. Like, the Raptors will make 21 threes in a week. So, yeah, why don't you guys play hard is my question. Uh, so, I think I think the players are exhausted. I think especially Steph, Draymond, Clay. Um, I mean, you can even throw Andrew Wiggins in there. I think those guys are mentally fried. Uh, it's been a long – I mean, you said it yourself – it's been a hell of a long dynasty. It's mm. been a long time, man. And and you can't expect these guys to be going all in, all out, year in, year out. And I think they did expect coming into the season that they could, excuse me, that they could coast through 60, 70 games and kind of turn it up at the end of the season and say, all right, we're rolling into the playoffs now. Let's, let's get serious. And I think part of that was because they felt like, well, we've got Wiseman, we've got Kaminga, we've got Moody. Like, we've got kids that are athletic, ton of energy, second, third-year guys that, you know, they're ready to roll. They're ready to contribute. They're not going to be star players, but they're going to contribute. Same, let's throw Jordan Poole in that mix, too. Okay. Like, these guys are going to be ready to contribute, and that hasn't been the case. Like, they started the season 3-7, and seven, and immediately it was, boom, James Wiseman can't play. Jonathan Kaminga, awful to start the season. Moses Moody, holy crap, he might actually have to sit the bench. Jordan Poole, knocked out, was bad throughout the start of the season, came off the bench, knocked Clay Thompson, out of shape. So you start the season three and seven, all of a sudden the Warriors looking at themselves and saying, well, we're going to have to write the ship. For you to write the ship, you've got to play as hard as you can. And they go seven and three the, the, the next ten games. And now you're sitting, and then Steph gets hurt. And now you're sitting there and you're like, dude, we've got 62 more games and we're going to have to go balls to the wall. 
This mm-hmm. is not what they asked for. That's not what they expected. I think they're tired. I just yeah. think they're tired mentally and physically. They're cooked. That makes sense. Honestly, that makes sense. I feel like that's like one of the big explanations across the league. You know, the war is for sure. It makes the most sense for you guys because you guys have obviously made all these deep playoff runs and, you know, there's an exhaustion that comes with that. But I think maybe even just like generally in society, people are kind of like exhausted. You know, like it's like it's it's oh, not. Wow. I, yeah, I know. We get deep wow. on this pod. OK, we, we've given advice to Asian kids and then uh, wow. I've, I've told people that it's OK. You're tired after three years of the pandemic. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, listen, you know what the Raptors They've had inconsistency issues as well. We've had games in the last week where they lost on a rip-through foul uh, to the Timberwolves. We've seen a game where the Raptors lost because Nick Nurse called two bad timeouts, and um, including one to stop his own fast break to tie the game. So, we know, the Raptors have had their fair share of bad losses. Andy, I want to hear your favorite or your, I guess, your least favorite Warriors loss of the season. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I see the timeline. So, there's so many to choose from. I, I'm serious. There's at least ten to choose from. Yep. I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna choose the one that um, it, it's most recent. So there, there's two to choose from, and I, I'll pick one out of them. So it's either Steph dropping fifty and losing by twenty to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, it's pathetic. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Oh, but it, 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 in all honesty, it was it was Boston last week, and, and I'll kind of tell you why because it it actually wasn't a bad loss. No, I mean, but I, 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 you guys should have won that. Yeah, they, they but exact. So exactly. So this okay. is this is the Warriors this season. So I'll tell you why that was the loss. Um, the Warriors, I think, every week or every other week, look at themselves and say, "All right, this is where we're turning the season around. This is." This is the game, right? We'll, we'll circle this one. We're going to show up. We're going to play very well. And then we're going to use this to springboard us on a 7-3, and 8-2, 10-game stretch. And boom, season's back on track. Yep. And they circled that, that Celtics game. They started small. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was healthy. Steph was back. They were on the road. They owned the Boston Celtics, at mm-hmm. least in the past six months. And they said, we're going to take this game. And then we're going to use this. And we're gonna go and, and, and finish out, you know, the, the the season through the All Star break. And they did. Everything was right all the way all the way until the end when they played exactly how they've played all season long. And that's shoot dumb shots. Don't have the right personnel to play defense. Jordan Poole's on the floor in crunch time, and just look tired. Yeah. And then they end up losing that game in OT. And to me, that game right there was. I wasn't mad when they. I wasn't mad. Yeah, I just sure. said. That's the Warriors this season, man. That's just that's that's the Golden State Warriors this season. And you know, if they're playing a seven-game series today against a team, yeah, okay, I'll pick them against any team. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna have to play four seven-game series after the next forty games of regular season that they're gonna have to play to get into be a five four five seed, it's a tough call. It's a tough call for this. Yeah. Team. Well, I mean, to me, Andy, it seems like you guys could use some young veterans. You know, guys with fresh legs, guys, you know, who can defend all five positions, who can, you know, hit the three consistently, dunk, you know, consistently take care of the opposing team's uh, best, you know, score. So, you know, I mean, listen, you know, I, I, we, we had a DM conversation about this, about uh, about OJ and OB and sort of what that might take. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So right, let me, let's just let's just have that conversation right now. Give me your best offer for OG if you're the Warriors. You're not gonna like the best offer that the Warriors. That's, that's fine. Give. That's fine. Let me hear it. I want to hear it at least. I want to see it. It would be. It would be. Uh, and by the way, any player that the Warriors could get, the best player that they could get that fits them perfectly is OG Adenobi. Okay. I actually don't think it's Pascal Siakam. Actually, I think sure. it's OG yeah, yeah. way more than Pascal Siakam. Sure. Okay. Um, it would be James Wiseman. 
Come on, man. It would be. <laughs> I gotta say, how many times I gotta say go home fat child on this, <laughs> go home fat child on this podcast, man? Come on. This is fluent Mandarin, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go home she fat child then. That's, that's better than I suppose. Uh, it's Moses Moody, it's James Wiseman, and it's a, fir- it's a future. Fir- like, that's the best that the Warriors will yeah, offer. See? If you're asking me what I will offer, it's a different story. But, like, Raptors, Raptors fans are going to hate that, and, and they should. So we it's can't even get Kaminga? Can we get Kaminga? Here's here's what here's what Joe Lacob would say. He would say, "Why would I trade Kaminga for OG when Kaminga is going to be OG in two years?" Because you because Steph's not going to be Steph in like another three four years when Kaminga eventually becomes. Yeah, Joe, that. Joe Joe's not worried about Joe's not worried about that. Don't, really? Don't, don't bother Don't bother Joe with that with I, that nonsense. I'd uh, worry more about present day Steph Curry than uh, than, than future <laughs> OG for me personally. I I personally would as well. I would do that trade. I would move. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Wiseman. Then Louis, we can have Kuminga a call. first. Yeah. Exactly, and I and, I, and and let's be clear. Like I don't even think the trade gets done if that's if that's still the move, right? You put those three guys in in the, in the future first. Mm. Like, does that do the does that do the trick? I don't I don't know. I, you know them better than I do. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the best package. I see stuff where people are offering three first for OG. Like, yeah. what kind of first are they? So it's like, yeah, market's crazy. The market's insane for players like that. But that's why I don't think it's realistic. I saw some rumors about Gary Trent Jr. That's not a Warriors type player either, though. So really, that's come on, man. You you don't want another Jordan Poole? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's killing me, killing me. I'm, they can't, can, they can't. Oh, geez, the perfect, perfect fit. And I just everybody wants him, though, right? Like everybody wants every, him. If he's on the market, everyone wants him. Everybody wants him. See, this is yeah, this is why it's good. Yeah, I mean, the Wiseman thing. I, I know some people probably are still thinking, well, come on, if you can get the former number two overall pick. He hasn't played a lot of basketball in his life. There's a lot of potential there, seven footer. Like this could maybe on paper be like a buy low opportunity. Can you just explain why Wiseman is not good? Um, do you guys, do you guys <laughs> need any more bigs? Like, isn't that, oh, isn't that your whole, like, that's not a question, man. All, all our team is bigs, okay? I know all you guys guards. I, our team is bigs. It's like Precious Achua, Chris Boucher. Like, yeah, we got more. twenty guys. That, yeah, we'll play Precious at three. The, I'm not even kidding. Yeah, We've seen him play three I, this year. I know, I know. Scotty Barnes. I mean, I like Scotty, but geez. Uh, okay, let's let's talk Wiseman real quick. So, mm. you can, you know, if this was a podcast, you can insert Stephen A. Smith's segment on Kwame Brown and kind of overlay oh, that with James really? Wiseman's face. No, it's like, not that can, bad. Come on, really? It's not great. It's, and by the way, Kwame Brown ended up being a pretty good NBA sure, player. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, which course, I think of is course. what's going to happen. NBA legend Kwame Brown, of course. That's what everyone <laughs> says. <laughs> you know, good rebounder, bad hands, but kind of like a, a good screener, good role player. I mean, he had a stint as a warrior. Um, okay. I think who that's what Wiseman's going to be, man. So he, here's the thing with him. Here, here are the negatives, uh-huh. uh, and, I'll, and I'll give you like two seconds of strength. So he has no idea how to play defense. Not one time in his life has he ever had to play winning defense. Uh, doesn't give a doesn't almost swore doesn't care about rebounding because he thinks he's Kevin Durant, so he just wants to dribble the ball. Um, he is, and and again. Uh-huh. Dude, I don't blame him because he's a 7-2 kid that all his life has pretty much done whatever he's wanted to do. So he's never once had to actually play winning basketball. Never had to set a screen. Never had to box out. Mm. Never had to run an actual offense. Never has had to do and, – and never ha- has had to protect the rim because he's so big that he can just go ahead and block shots on weak side. None of that translates to winning basketball. That doesn't matter because – a lot of young players, like, for example, you look at Jalen Green, who I think is not a good basketball player, but it doesn't matter because he can just do whatever he wants and iron out the kinks on a bad team. Yeah, That's what that's what Wiseman needs. The good stuff, I mean, look, he's super athletic. He kind of can shoot a little bit. Decent touch around the rim. And he is pretty coachable. So 
if you've got a good coaching staff, which is what you know Toronto has, um, you can coach them up to be something better than I think versus on a team that doesn't have a good coaching staff, right? So I think there's a lot of potential there. Mm. But I think as a number two overall pick to where people is like, you know, he's got some AD or some can't they tell us like I don't oh, think he'll ever get yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, you know, no man, his his best asset right now is the Mandarin speaking. That's that's the, after after you give me the whole scouting report, I'm like maybe I can at least interview him in in in, uh, in bad Mandarin. Yeah, no, like I, he does. I mean, I like Boucher because Boucher is like he was a genie sure, guy, and sure, I know yeah. that nurse kind of pulls him up and down and and stuff. But like, why yeah. kind of like that dude? Like he shoots a lot of threes. Like sometimes he rebounds, sometimes he plays good defense, sometimes he doesn't. He's just kind of like, but he's young. Yeah. I mean, he's young. Here's a, here's the other well, thing. Hey, that's listen, another at least bad. He did draft Chris Boucher with a second overall pick, man. It, it, that's exact, and that's exactly what I was gonna say next. Yeah, you gotta pay him twelve million dollars next season. Like that's that's, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. All right. I mean, that's nothing to do with him, but geez. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that's a no then. That's a that's a no no G trade. <laughs> I guess that's my conclusion to this. What do you think Masai Ujiri thinks? Masai's probably looking at Kaminga, man. Kaminga seems like a Masai type of guy. Uh, you is. know, like he's he loves super athletic players that he can eventually teach basketball skills to. And it works out for him. Like I'm not it's not even a joke. Like it works out. Like Pascal is one of those guys. Chris Boucher is one of those guys. Precious is one of those guys. Like the, you know, there's there's a there's a real formula, and I think even sp- like specific organizations do really well developing like one certain type of player. Um, you know, OG, for example, is another one of those guys. So I mean, Kaminga would fit in that sense. But no, I get it, man. I see him in your rotation already. You guys, you guys need more guys in your rotations. How about I, uh, instead of giving you um, OG, let me hear your best auto uh, auto Porter offer. Just. <sighs> You want auto back? Come on, man. He's I, in your rotation. The Warriors, the Warriors need auto back. I'm, okay. I'm telling you. That, that side was not like a bad. Bro, but I can, thought auto was out for the season. I mean, I top 55 protected pick. You can have him for next year. Six million guaranteed yeah. on your books. <laughs> top, top, top 59 protected pick. I will do it. Uh, the Warriors, uh, I don't know if they 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 shortchanged him, but they only offered him the vet men. They never even came close to offering more than the, at the, at that mid level. That's uh, fair. He because they knew eight, he only played eight games. So it's fair. And that is exactly why. So dude, listen, the, the warriors, they put him on. So here's the thing about the warriors. They, if you're injured, they're going to slow play you to the point where at, when you're healthy, they wait another two games, yeah. then you can get to play. And so with Otto Porter, he was, he they put it they used him that way and he still only played like half the games yeah. in the season and by the end of the playoff run he was he was good but he was limping up and down the court dragging his foot around so love Otto he's actually the perfect Warriors player the Warriors I think one of the main reasons why they're struggling is they don't have a guy like Otto they're playing Anthony Lamb dude like it's it's ugly out there for him you, so. can, you can have him um, or you can, I'll take Anthony Lamb I'll, I will take Anthony Lamb you off your hands not, you tr- I don't even think you can trade two way guys but let's let's do it okay let's make that deal right now on air. Um, okay. It, yeah. What's yeah, up? yeah. No, I was gonna say I don't understand the Raptors. I just don't. And oh, I'm sure yeah. you're gonna ask no me. I don't understand it. No. I no, just... no, no. That's what I'm gonna ask you, Andy. Because at the end of the show, we we do a, a, a betting segment. All right. It's now time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game, and you know the whole idea is just you know who are you taking tonight, right? The Raptors are five point underdogs against the Warriors. We know the Warriors are amazing at home, and so I'm just gonna assume that you're gonna pick the Warriors. But I did want to tell the short story because one of the first times that we connected on the podcast was back in 2019. The Raptors were playing the Warriors in the finals. Okay, great time um, for mm-hmm. both of us, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And we had this whole conversation. We we're talking about you know who the matchups might be and who might guard who, and you know okay, all this other stuff. And then we we're like, all right, come time for predictions. And I was like, well, for me, Raps in five. And then for you, you said, yeah, Warriors in five. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, I want I want to hear who are you taking on tonight's game, man. <laughs> I'll preface that by saying didn't know Clay was going to tear his ACL and did and I thought KD would be back by game one. So right, did right. not happen the way I thought it would happen. Did not happen. And, by the way, yeah, and I know up? you're not a you're not a Fred Van. Vl- I mean, you guys look like you're moving off of FEV. Um, right, maybe, maybe not. Point, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Why you I want him speak- too? No. Oh, okay. Not. But right. I can speak to this as a Warriors fan, petrified yeah. of Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Can't wait for him to chase Steph around, man. You know we're gonna, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna hold Steph to like five points, but the Warriors will score 132. So, but it'll be a win. We don't win, all right? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't understand how. I, uh, so I, I don't watch the Raptors as much. And uh, last time the Warriors went in a, Toronto and, and immediately, bro, you them. guys destroyed us. And Steph was and I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> I was like, what am I? What is this? Uh, it yeah. looked like the Warriors. It looked like the Warriors. I, I, I hadn't seen vibes that bad uh-huh. uh, since watching my own team every other time. So, uh, it's just, you know, I, I think the Warriors are going to win, but I don't know if they'll cover the minus five. And also, really? it wouldn't surprise me if they lost. It would not surprise me. It would not surprise me if, if Pasco Siakam goes for, like, 35. Uh, mm. OG makes like, like he did in E3s. game one of the NBA finals, you know, yeah. game six too, because Draymond mm. decided to reach for no reason. Mm. Uh, I love that reach, man. That was a great gamble. <laughs> that was a bad yeah, play right there, man. <laughs> that That's like a three man, three team parlay only on the spread. Just six, six, six stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I think the war, I mean, look, the Warriors need to win tonight. They okay. need, they need every game. They need to win. So and, what? That's uh, the same. That's the same for us, man. <laughs> All right. It's a, it, it, maybe Andrew Wiggins won't play today. Here's the thing about the Warriors. You know, Andrew Wiggins and Kaminga pretty much are their best two-way defensive slash offensive guys, and those yeah. guys haven't played together at all this season. So. Right, I heard that. Um, in your recent pod, only 61 minutes combined for those two guys. Hilarious. On the court, yeah. Well, and then, and then you know, those two guys and OG haven't played a single minute together this season. Well, you know that, what listen, I mean? so, that could change. That could change, you know. <laughs> just, just, just make Kaminga available. Anyway, Andy, I appreciate you. Everyone go listen to the Light Years uh, podcast with you and Samus Vandiari. And uh, yeah, man, I look forward to uh, reacting to your tweets tonight. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother, as always. Take care, man. All right. That was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Um, yeah, Andy picked the Warriors. I, I probably picked the Warriors too. The Warriors are really formidable at home. Look, the Raptors are playing better, though. Um, you know, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Raptors stayed really close in this game. But I do worry about the Raptors being in a close game against a team like the Warriors. You do like some of the defensive matchups, but these are two of the most unpredictable teams in the league. So my best bet might just be to avoid this one and look for other teams um, who are playing in the NBA tonight. But uh, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willow, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thanks again to producer J.R. Manitard, uh, our board producer, Derek Bandale, and Jennifer Rona for helping us with the YouTube stream. Big thanks to Big V and Andy Liu, friends of the program, for joining the podcast. And... When we return next week, Alex Wong, co-host, producer, will be back in his rightful chair beside me. The past decade.